Welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. We are starting a brand new little thing here where obviously I am out in Chicago right now for all of the listeners that have been with us for a while. And we're going to be doing something called the Windy City Storm Roundtable. And so the youth organization that I am working with, I am surrounded by some really, really awesome and smart hockey people. So we are riffing around this kind of big roadcaster hardware that I have that's hooked up to some microphones. And uh, and we are just going to sit around and talk some hockey. So every couple weeks we're going to be doing this. And uh, I got a couple smart guys here with me. And we're going to talk today about back check, track, reload, whatever you want to call it, getting back to your side of the ice. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun here today. So I got a couple good guys and uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves first. We got Rob Rassi. Rass, you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? What an introduction. I've never had the pleasure of listening to it live before, but um, thanks for the intro, Toph. Uh, I'm Rob Rassi. I'm new out here in Chicago as well. Uh, we just started a TPH Academy uh, out in the suburbs here in Chicago, so excited to be here and excited to join that. Uh, I spent the last two years as a scout for the Detroit Red Wings, um, covered the Midwest, United States, mostly USHL stuff, and uh, prior to that, I spent six years as, a, as an assistant coach at Harvard, uh, coaching against uh, this fine <laughs> gentleman here, so... Uh, excited to be here. Awesome. And then right to his left is Ryan Ward, our hockey director here with Windy City. So, Wardle, I'll let you introduce yourself as well. Thanks, Toph. This is like a bucket list thing, huh, Rass? Like, this is awesome to be on the think tank. Uh, yeah, my name is Ryan Ward. I'm, I'm the hockey director here with the Windy City Storm. Um, you know, kind of a uh, journeyman now. Uh, spent some time with uh, the New York Islanders, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, um, Selects Academy in Connecticut, and now here out with uh, the Tri-City Storm as the Director of Player Development and uh, the Hockey Director for the Windy City Storm. All right. All right. I like it. So let's get right to it here, guys. So uh, I wanted to talk about tracking, back-checking to start, uh, call it what you will, because for me and Ras, we were talking about this even before we got on here, like... It's one of the most important things in hockey, but maybe not necessarily the one most talked about, um, especially at, at the youth levels from everything that I've encountered. Um, but it's really just a huge part to like developing your identity as a team, you know. So I'll, I'll go to you first here, Ras. Like, why do you think the track and back check is so important um, to the identity of a team, and why why should we we be talking about it more? Yeah, I think when you talk about a lot of the way, if you watch NHL games, everyone always talks about playing fast, right? And if you want to play fast in today's game, um, it, it has to be going both ways, right? You can't only just play fast, turn it on, when we get the puck on our stick and let's go. Um, you you got to have the puck on your stick first. And I think if you have a, a team with an identity that, that tracks back through the middle hard, can force turnovers, it allows your defensemen to gap up strong, allows you to force some turnovers to the neutral zone and opportunities for transition that way too. So it's not just preventing goals as much as it is. We want to get the puck and we want to go. And that all starts with the pressure that you provide coming back up the ice. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I can't remember who it was that I was listening to at some point, but they were tight with Scotty Bowman back in the days when he was like the coach of the Red Wings and coaching like, you know, these Hall of Famers, all these guys that have put up a million points in their career. And they almost 
framed everything that they did in terms of offense. So like we are doing this defensively tracking wise so we can get the puck like what you're saying and transition and then go play on offense. And I think that's something like if you're coaching a team with talented players that, you know, you have to get sometimes creative and getting them to buy into play <laughs> you know, defensively. So like, you know, that's one of those things where it's just a great way tracking wise, if you want to frame it in a way of, everything offense you know what I mean absolutely and I think it's yeah it's not a fun thing to do right it doesn't show up on the stat sheet so when you get players that want to buy in to do it it's it's got to be part of the team identity right it has to be part of the bigger picture it's not something that you're going to see highlights of on the NHL network when you turn it on and watch the five five minute recaps of the games right it's something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet but is just as important uh, is anything that does. Yeah, totally. And Wardle, for you too, because like coming out here, you know, we grew up, it was back check. Everybody talked about back check. And I feel like now the terminology is a little bit more track. You got to track and get back. But I never heard of what you called it in reload. And I guess it's kind of a little bit of what we're talking about and framing it in a way where it's almost like getting it to where we want to get the puck back and go the other way. Like, where did you hear that first? And like, what does reload mean to you? Yeah, I think for me, Tof, you know, Anthony Noreen and I talked a lot about it. I think I, I heard it, you know, in Toronto with Sheldon and then um, Sault Ste. Marie, we really focused on it. But at the end of the day, like we talk about, you know, like the controlling the controllables all the time, you know, we kind of talk about it. And, and as much as it's not fun, Ras, it's easy, right? It's a decision for our guys to make. So like when we talk about reloading, like, it's so much easier to come downhill in the offensive zone when you've gotten above the puck. And, and that's where it's like, okay, we don't have the puck. Let's reload above it. You know what I mean? And that's the very simple term where our guys have, for, you know, better or worse, they've, they've really, like, taken a, a – a, that's part of their identity. You know, like, all of our teams here with the Storm, like, I think we hit on that day one. Like, hey, we're reloading, we're getting above the puck, and we're coming downhill every time. Um, and I think when you celebrate, like you said, Ras, like – it's not anything that's on the NHL network, but it's something that's in every single one of our meetings as coaches 100%, here. 100%, yeah. You know what I mean? So as much as it might not be celebrated on the NHL network, like I can tell you that, and you guys know, like we celebrate that huge here uh, with the storm, just getting above the puck and making sure there's no room and we're, we're dictating how play goes. So talk to me about like being above the puck because sitting here talking to the three of us, like I've talked a lot about Titan above in every conversation like this that I've had and I feel like a lot of youth coaches they don't understand what tight and above means you know they always it's always a question that I get what do you mean by that what do you mean by that so if you can just like explain what you mean about getting above the puck yeah I think it's it's really you know it's funny like when you break down a hockey game it's a very simple to me it's 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 very simple to break it down you know what I mean like okay, when you're getting above the puck, like that's literally what you're doing. You're getting above the puck on the defensive side between your puck and the net. It's very simple. So if the more you get above, the, the, the opponent has no space, right? You're dictating where they have to go on the ice from a, a spatial awareness standpoint. Um, but for us, like just getting above is working to, to be above the puck. Like that is simply what it is. And it, it can get broken down too. Um, I agree with you, right? Like it's, it's getting above the puck. It's an, it's an easy thing to focus on from a player's perspective too, right? If you're a player that might be struggling, you might be in a slump, whatever it is, and you start overthinking things, a great way to simplify your game. If you have to focus on a couple of things throughout the game, when you don't have the puck, get above it, 
right? If you work to get above the puck when you don't have it and you keep that in your mind that every time your team doesn't have the puck, I'm going to work back, you have to skate, right? You're going to be involved. You're going to involve yourself in the game, and then things start to flow from there. It's one of the easiest things, like you said, Wardle, like it's an easy thing to focus on. It's just it's if you make that a point as a player, um, your game can start to build from there. It's a great way to start. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, you guys have coached at some higher levels, obviously, and Wardle, you've been in the NHL um, as a coach. Like, what, what are the conversations in the coaches' rooms in, in a Toronto, you know, in a St. Louis or some of these other places when it comes to tracking? Like, how important is it to these NHL teams and maybe what are some of the things that they're talking about as well? Yeah, I mean, at that level, Tof, honestly, it's, it's just non-negotiable. You know what I mean? The guys who don't do it aren't there. Um, and I think... It, it all feeds into, into, you know, hockey's played in a 200 by 85 enclosed arena, right? So, so it all feeds together, right? So you, you know, the premium for coaches these days is, you know, you want to have your D have tight gaps and make sure that they're skating forward with slash support guys, that they're, well, D can't do that if there's no reloads, no back checking, no tracking, right? Like your D can't, can't stand, they can't um, be tight, they can't give, a, give no room. Um, you have to have faith that your buddies are going to do their job and and if they do their job then you can as a defenseman you can be right up on guys and and take those risks to close gaps and 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 leave no space and um really the way the nhl's played today and and pro and college like there's no space right there's just no space and even at the youth levels you see the coaching getting better the player education getting better um but it's just to me like the best teams i've ever seen in hockey always track like they always just track their ass off and on the other side like the hardest teams to play against I mean we played against each other uh when you were at Harvard and I was at Cornell and and you do the video scouts and you see the goals against averages of some of the teams that you're playing the the common denominator was the track 100% you know absolutely and and I mean that's such a big part of what you're talking about in the game right now everybody wants to kill the play fast 100% everybody wants to take away time and space fast and if you want to play that way you want your defense to be up and gap. If you don't have guys coming back hard, you're going to be putting up six, or the other team's going to be putting up five, six, seven spots on you every night. For sure. And the way that, you know, even the way that we teach our, def- our defensemen to defend the rush, they need a tracker there to support because we're getting outside the dots. We're killing plays in the neutral zone. Um, we're not staying inside the dots and falling inside the defensive zone. Like, we want our D to be aggressive, kill plays, and that allows us to win the transition. And on an offensive side, when you're tracking out of the offensive zone, you're in a position to go the other way on a turnover, on a neutral zone regroup, or a quick up, where you're already in your spot. So now you have your entry structure figured out, you're, you're, and you're building your rush offense off of your back-checking and tracking. Yeah, that's true. So, Ras, you had the chance to coach some pretty special kids at Harvard. You're talking about the VCs and the Carefoots and the Kalorns and things like that. Um, from a forward standpoint, was that something with some of those highly, highly talented players that you really needed to get them to buy into? Is it something that they learned beforehand and it was something they knew? Like, how, how, how did you go about managing some of these 
high, high offensive players when doing that. Yeah, and I, I think it was something um, that we had to instill. You know what I mean? It, it's it's at a certain level in junior hockey or amateur hockey, whatever it is. But as you go up levels, the expectations are higher. Uh, and like you said, Wardo, like it gets to a point where you reach a certain level. It's non-negotiable, right? right. Everybody does it or everybody doesn't. Uh, and at Harvard, Teddy, that's a big thing that he has with, with forwards, no matter who you are. The expecta- expectation is you have to get above the puck. You have to track hard. There are games when we could be up two or three goals, whatever it is. And if guys late in game uh, would ever take a, a shift off on the back check, you'd hear about it. Um, so that was just a constant uh, communication from the coaching staff, uh, and especially Teddy. That was one of the big things that he was on, no matter who you were. And it helped, especially if you get those top guys to buy in and they do it. One of the best kids that we had at doing it was uh, when I was at Harvard was one of Jimmy Vesey's line mates, uh, Kyle Criscolo. Oh, um, great player. Like he was, he ended up having, uh, a, a, still playing a, a nice career in the American leagues, played a couple games in the NHL, but if he I was mean, three inches taller. He would be in the NHL. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's one of those guys that, uh, just a coach's dream. Like one of those guys that does everything the right way. Uh, and he was an animal when it came to tracking and, and providing back pressure. So, and it's carved out a nice career for him. You know I mean? His game is translated well. Um, and he's a, he's a heck of a hockey player. You know, it's funny, I, <clears throat> when I was working with Scott Gordon with the Islanders, um, I, I came in halfway through the year, and on the wall of the Nassau Coliseum, we had, in our locker room, we had this poster, or this, this picture, and it said, Run 110. And I was like, what does that mean? I obviously missed the message in training camp because I was still in college, and I left college and went straight to, to the Islanders um, to work on the coaching staff. But um, So Run 110 was... And for everyone listening, like a great uh, YouTube is is Ben Watson from the New England Patriots, right? So I grew up in Boston. I'm a Patriots fan, but Ben Watson had this game. It was, it was I think it was on Halloween night. Um, it was a full moon, Foxborough Stadium. They ended up losing, um, I believe, to the Denver Broncos. However, there was this play in the game where Brady threw an interception, and Watson was the intended receiver in the end zone. Okay, so it was a it was a play that Champ Bailey. Um, I believe it was Champ Bailey, ran the play like he was gone. It was a pick six from all the way. But this this clip on YouTube of Ben Watson, um, he ran Champ Bailey down 110 yards from where he started in the end zone. He's a tight end too, right? Yes, he's a tight end. So he basically and, – and it was a pretty it was a pretty great little like documentary. Like the Patriots only put up pictures of their wins in their locker room, but this was like the one photo that they would have from a loss would be Ben Watson chasing this guy down. But it really – where that kind of clicked for me was Ben Watson said, you know what, I could have given up on the play and no one would have said anything to me. Right, but his college coach in Georgia said, "Like, hey, like, you don't give up till the whistle blows. You don't, you, you just go." So, the clip's great because Ben Watson sitting there and he talks about how his helmet's going and all he sees is like his helmet bouncing. And then he had, had to run into the referee. He got by the referee, and it was more of like a challenge for himself to catch the guy who intercepted the ball. And he actually tackled him at the one yard line, knocked the ball out, and if the officials made the correct call it would have been a touchback for the Patriots, but they made the wrong call. Uh, spoken like a true Patriots. Fan, right? <laughs> I mean, always make an excuse. You can fact check it. You can fact check it. Right. But when, when, I, when I think about that and how much you can relate to these young players, like you, the young, these young players control that, 
right? Like it's just it's just heart and and the willingness to to battle through it. And you know what? Just say I'm not going to give up on any single play that happens. And that really is the essence of tracking and back checking, isn't it? Like, hey, I can control how hard I get back to the D zone. Like I'm going to be a good teammate and do this. I like that for sure. And I think one thing too is. Uh, as you go up in levels too, right? As you go from bantams to midgets, and you go from midgets to juniors, and juniors to college, and college to pro, the margins are small, right? The margins between the NHL and the American League, the margins between Division One and Division Three, so small. The margins between the USHL and the North American League, um, and as a player, if especially like you're an offensive player, right? You're you're not gonna you get to the from midget hockey to the USHL. Uh, you're probably not going to score your first year. It's a hard thing to do. And if you had 50 in midgets, maybe you'll get, who knows, say maybe you get 10. Uh, that, that's 50 other games you go in a 60-game season without scoring. What are you going to bring to the team? What are you going to bring to the lineup? What 100%. is the coach going to say, hey, I can rely on this guy. Is He's going to bring it every night. He's going to give us energy. Because at the end of the day, there's going to be nights when you're not going to have it. You're not going to – puck's not going to bounce your way. It might bounce over your stick, no matter if you're an offensive player or who or whoever it is, up and down the lineup, especially as a forward. Like, it's hard. So anything that you can do, and, and this is something that, like Wardo said, you can control that. And you, you can say the coaches are in the locker room when they're putting the lineup on the board. We know that this guy's going to bring it every night. And that, it's a big part, not just from a coaching perspective, but from a college or from a uh, scouting perspective as well. Like, yeah. that's something that uh, as a scout the past two years, you watch kids play a lot of hockey games, and um, they're not always going to score. They're not always going to have it. But if they're, you see certain players that have established that as their identity, it stands out. And, and you know that it, this player, we're not going to have to convince this guy to play the way <laughs> that we want to play. You know, and yeah. it's, it's, uh, for, for me, it's, it was something that we look for. Yeah. I, I want to go even further with that too, because, um, Benny Sy, who I worked with at Cornell for the listeners, like for me, he's one of the best talent evaluators in, in college hockey. And he used to call that a B game. So yeah. when, when the A game, the offense, the numbers, the skill, when that's not there, and like you said, it's a 60-game season in juniors, you're not going to have your A game in all 60 games. Sure. You might have it in, nope. if you're really good, you might have it in 25, maybe 30. If you're elite, maybe 35. You know, that, that leaves a lot of time where you're just not going to have your A game. And so for the kids that are listening, like, if you don't have your A game and there's no B game there, there's no track, there's no compete, there's no passion... I'm crossing you off the list. I'm probably not going to come see you again. If your coach tells me that you have an A game and I don't see it, but I see you tracking hard and I see you competing and I see you have the passion, I'm going to come back and watch you play or I'm going to watch your last five games on video or something like that. It's just, you're so right from a scouting perspective. It can put you, for the kids, it can put you in a position where you're a lot more marketable, if that's what you want to call it, to whatever scouts or coaches are coming to watch you. Yeah, and like you know, like as well as I do, how... Uh, extended you can get from a recruiting perspective or a scouting perspective. You might only see kids play. You know what I mean? You might only get a, a chance to pop in and, and see a kid for a period or a game, and uh, you don't know who's watching when, you know, because there's so much to see and so many places to be. If like what I always say, like if, if you can uh, – if someone comes in to watch you play five shifts, are they going to know what kind of hockey player you are? Are they going to be able to say – I? I this guy has this identity as a player? And I think, uh, like you said, like – it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. I don't think anyone that's ever tracked, 
tracked their uh, butt off and, and broken up a two-on-one has ever felt bad about themselves. <laughs> and I don't think they've ever gotten back to the bench and uh, not been congratulated by their entire team. So for it's sure. something that I know for me, like just talking about rush coverage and tracking and back checking, like it's something that we celebrate on a day, day-to-day basis. I mean, I, I showed video to my little U13 team yesterday and uh, seven of the identification clips were back checking and reloading and getting above. And the kids love it. They're clapping for each other. And um, I mean, that's just part of being an unbelievable teammate is, is putting your balls on the line like that for your group. Yeah, it kind of starts with the coaches too. Like you got to celebrate that stuff, for get sure. excited for it on Absolutely. the bench when it happens. And Players just absolutely feed off it. 100%. That's good. So another hockey thing when it comes to track that I wanted to talk about with you guys that I think would be good was, like, how important it is through the middle. I think you mentioned it earlier, back through the middle. I mean, that's one of our, like, just main things that we talk about almost every day is when the puck goes away from you, you're back hard through the middle. Whether you're the F1 and the puck's going up now, whether you're an F2 or 3 that's on the wall, Puck goes the other way, back above the center. Like, why do you guys think that that is so important when it comes to, you know, denying plays, denying rushes, being tough to play against? Wardle, I'll, I'll ask you first on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think any, any skilled player or any skilled team wants the least amount of confrontation as possible, right? And if you're talking about getting above through the middle of the ice or, or returning to, to the D zone through the middle of the ice – now you're forcing your opponents to make plays through four, five, six sticks, right? And that's not easy. So, so number one, you're stacking the deck from a percentage standpoint of, of being able to get the puck through the middle of the ice, which is obviously the most dangerous uh, place to have the puck. Uh, number two, like, like you're just making it almost physically impossible to execute a high-end play um, that, that has to go through the middle of the ice, right? So when you're chasing your stick through the neutral zone, through the offensive zone, um, everyone wants to, to try to get the puck into the middle of the ice. Uh, everyone wants to try to get the puck, you know, to the weak side where there aren't so many players. Um, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're going through the middle of the ice and you're clogging the middle, and Mike Babcock used to call it a muddy track, like if you're making that a muddy track, then your odds of, of turning the puck over and, and winning transitions are, are hugely in your favor. I like that. That's really cool. Muddy track. Yeah, muddy track. Clogathon. (laughs) The clogathon. Now, another thing I wanted to ask you guys too, um, how important is communication when it comes to the track and the back check? I feel like, and I get reminded of it at the beginning of every single year, there's always like a healthy but sometimes unhealthy tension between the D and the forwards, whether it's, Give me the puck while well, you're not there and you're not open. Whether it's on the back check, I was supposed to take this guy or that guy. Um, Rass, like, how important is communication when we're, with the stuff that we're talking about right now? I think it's huge. Uh, I think it's everything. I think if there's any sort of delay or miscommunication between the forward who's tracking back and the D who's on the strong side of the uh, of the ice, um, it's gonna it's gonna cause some indecision, right? Is is the coach that I played for in college always used to say, make the other other guys' jobs on the ice easy, right? So if you're coming back 100 miles an hour through the middle of the ice and the D sees that, he sees you talking, he's got the middle of the ice, it's going to make him more confident in his ability to take away uh, take away space on the entry, right? So and if, if, if the D is hounding to the forward, say, hey, you got this guy, you got this speed, he's going to he's gonna slide through the middle of the ice, it makes that forward's job a lot easier and he's only got to do one thing, right? The one, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I heard it a thousand times in college, but chase one rabbit, 
right? Don't try and you know, so he always used to say, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but if uh, when, a, when a fox we goes, become our elders, right? Know, right? Yeah. When a when a when a fox goes to hunt uh, a pack of rabbits, he can't go in there and try to chase all of them, right? So when he's got here, he's going to end up running around in a circle. You got to go in there. You got to pick one. You got to go after it. Right, so that's the same thing in this. Like, if a forward's coming back through the ice and he's trying to do three different things, he's probably not going to do any of them very well. But if he's coming back through the middle of the ice with one task on his mind, to say, "I'm going to get back through the middle. I'm going to take away the middle of the ice. I'm going to yell to the D. D's going to slide up, and we're going to get going the other way." Right? It just allows the other guys on the ice to be more effective and allows that guy to do his job a little bit better. Yeah. So, kind of going with that, like I want to ask you guys this because I've been in multiple different coaches rooms where something like this and a lot of times when there's breakdowns it, it happens when the d gets outside the dots and the forwards aren't tracking back through the middle right and that's where a lot of the the crap happens um are you guys more i've been in so many debates like this it's hilarious like are you guys more for d playing between the dots and the forwards tracking the guy if he's got the puck on the wall or would you rather have the d get over have the forward get back through the middle and pick up from there have you guys? Have you guys had these? I've yeah, had, like absolutely. It's such a such a big debate. <laughs> yeah, we we I, I try to simplify it the best I can for our players. So basically, if F three, which is your essentially first tracking forward, if you're above the puck, you hunt the puck. The D fall inside the dots, right? So if F three is above the puck, you're hunting it, and the D fall inside and read the rush, and that's where the communication happens. But I, I firmly believe that the structure you put in place as a coach protects the individual player. So, like, they know. f three's above, like, you're going. And the D are saying, yeah, 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 go, go, go. But if you're below the puck and you're chasing, the D are going to slide outside the dots, kill the play, and your job is middle wide. So now if that guy's going to make a play to the back post, he's got to go through the strong side D stick, the weak side D stick, and the tracker stick to get that puck to the back post. And ultimately, the goalie, we tell the goalie, if they're going to hit the seam on that, you've got the, the weak side. So I think when you when you delineate what's going on, like, okay, F3 above, hunt, very simple. F3 below, you're tracking middle wide, the D are going to kill the play, and we're going to force that as soon as they kick the puck out or, or try to go wide outside the dots. Strong side D slide, weak side D takes the middle driver, and our tracker gets middle wide. That's that's kind of what we say, and to me, it's very simple. Like above hunt, below you're tracking. How about you, Ras? I agree. I agree. I, I think the again, I think it comes from the message that the coaches send to the players too. Right? Is make it clear. Yeah. Make it simple. Right? The hockey's a fast game. There's a lot of things that you can adjust, and you have to think about things in split seconds, right? You don't have time to sit back from a, from a bird's eye view and analyze the way that the game's going. You're a player, you're coming back as hard as you can. You have to know, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And the, 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 the less indecision in that player's mind of what he has to do on the ice allows him to do that better, right? It allows everybody to get on the same page uh, and allows the team to be more effective. Yeah. Love that. And I think that's why, like, tracking, honestly, Ras, like, when we talk about, like, just, like, celebrating, like, the hard work, if a guy is tracking his butt off, it doesn't really matter what happens after that because you're going to have layers. You know what I mean? So that's, Absolutely. like, the, the controllable It's part almost like it. mistake-proof. I don't right. want to say mistake-proof, no, but, but you're limiting You can live it. with those mistakes, yeah. right? If Hard, aggressive. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right, so to end this thing off here, um, I thought it would be good to 
you know, we obviously, I, I feel like have given some pretty good information here about the track, but like if we're talking to some youth coaches and we're in a room with them, what are maybe some things that we can do in terms of like drill design or things to talk about in practice that can actually help um, the kids that we're coaching to be able to learn how important it is to track and kind of get that muscle memory. So I don't know if you guys have like a drill or specific things that you like to work on breaking it down, like Wardle for you first, like maybe what are some things that you do in practice to, to do this? Yeah, I think, I think number one, like I always, and for any youth coach and, and player, like, like you have to be concise with your identity without the puck. Like I think that number one, every team I've coached for probably the last five years, the first thing I tell them in day one of training camp is tracking wins championships. If you track, if you reload, if you're above the puck, you will win. Because I don't care how talented the other team is, if there's no space, they cannot play with the puck, right? Um, so number one, tracking wins championships. And, and, and to me, honestly, like you build that through training camp, through your first few weeks of the season. And like anything else, like start with baby steps. Like I don't care. I've been at the junior level and we've got 18-year-old players who are the best on their team in, in midget major or whatever, and they don't know how to track. They don't know how to read the game. And it's like start with half-ice tracks where it's a two-on-one and the forward and the D have to communicate with the with a tracking forward and, and start with that. And then you get into reading the rush and giving the offensive guys more creativity and teaching the D how to slide outside the dots and kill a play in the, in the neutral zone. And for any of the listeners here, if you guys, uh, if anyone has any questions about practice drills, I think we have about 50 of them that we can uh, be happy to, to share. But honestly, you start with the foundation. No tracking drill is, is, is too simple. Um, at the end of the day, you build in your identity on, on, on the fact that, hey, it's just work to track. So do a couple of drills at the beginning of the year where you're just working to get above the puck and track, um, communicating with the D. Um, and then you kind of build in your principles and, and your your layers as a coach as to specific reads, like on a delay, who takes the delay, um, things like that. So I think really just, just being crystal clear on your identity and the expectations of, hey, every single one of our players is going to work to get back above the puck. Like that is the number one thing. Love it. How about you, Ras? Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you, Bordo. I, I think the biggest thing, especially early on, a coach can do is isolate the incident that you're trying to work on, right? So if you're trying to focus on the importance of a track and you want to start teaching, especially those reads, right? If you the the the, the trade off between the strong side defenseman and the and then the tracking forward, isolate the incident. Start in an offense. Start everybody in an offensive zone five uh, five man offensive zone play. Put a forward on the weak side of the ice. Give him the puck, tell him to skate up the wall. Everybody tracks back. Let that forward and the D communicate uh, how to handle that situation, whether the F3's got it or he's going to get above it. If he doesn't, D's going to slide and take it and then turn it in. It's a good way, too, that you can add something like that instead of doing a basic rush drill. Do a rush drill off of transition off a track. You know, have those guys turn the puck over and then whip back up the ice on a on an odd man rush going the other way. So it, it, you can build that into a lot of different drills, but I think isolating it, uh, any incident that you're trying to teach and that you want to try and enforce, isolate it as, as easily as you can and have the guys do it. And they say, oh, there it is, you know? Yeah, it's almost like, <laughs> and we have these debates all the time too, it's like it's the mentality versus the tactic. Right. Like if the mentality's there, you can get away with the tactic not maybe not being as perfect 100 so in your first like what you guys are saying your first couple weeks of practice and even as you go in through like you can kind of work in the video and and all that but let's make sure that hey every time that puck's going back the other way it's first three steps see you later 
Yeah, I think another huge thing for youth coaches and youth players, like when you're done with a drill, like like if you if you really break down the transition from offense to defense, everyone wants to play offense, right? And the same thing, like when your rep is done on a shooting drill or a small area game and your rep is done and you're done with your shot, you're like, okay, I did my job here. I got my shot. No, like sprint out of the zone, sprint out of the drill, sprint, sprint out of the small area game and get back in line. And, and that... I mean, it's like the mice with the cheese, like sprint out of the drill, get back in line. And that conditions you for later in the year. Like, Hey, I'm just sprinting. Like I'm my shots over. I'm sprinting back. And I think that's a huge emphasis. I know we put on in our organization, Toph, like, like you see it, like everyone, like our goalie guy, Redmond Brow, like his job on the ice is to be the sprint out of the drill guy. <laughs> and he loves that, you know, Red's a saint and he just loves being the sprint out of the drill guy gonna have to get him to do that in my practices (laughs) i like it (laughs) uh that's good stuff the other thing too like as we're talking about this obviously we're trying to you know limit the amount of time and space and we're trying to play the game on our own terms and stuff one thing that i talk about with my teams and and like in my practices i very rarely do d zone very very rarely do d zone because i don't want to play in the d zone i want to track so hard in the neutral zone for me neutral zone wins games like the team that's better in the neutral zone is going to win the games 95 percent of the time absolutely and so like you know just having that mentality and i even tell my guys like i'm not working i don't i don't work on d zone like i don't want to because i don't want to play in the d zone and just again it goes back to that mentality like what's your identity as a team how hard are you going to be to play against and defining what hard to play against means? And a lot of that is just the track. 100%. So, well, awesome stuff, guys. Well, if you want some track drills, get in touch with us. Or, Ras, put you on the spot here. There's a lot of drills at icehockeysystems.com. There what do you are. think? There are a lot of drills at icehockeysystems.com. I think for any coach looking to expand your knowledge database of the game, drills, general knowledge, videos, tactics, Check out icehockeysystems.com. Absolutely. They got an associations tab on there too now. So uh, you can get this for your entire organization. And uh, it's awesome. We use it here. Um, I use it extensively to, to uh, plan all my practices and stuff. It's a great resource for any coach. And there's even a lot of parent education stuff on there. Our Hockey Think Tank Survival Guide is on there. Uh, and how about gel sticks, Wardo? How about gel sticks? Yeah, I think you know, we talk about it all the time, Rob. I, I think... When uh, these young athletes, I mean, you can't shoot enough pucks and, and using gel sticks, the weighted training sticks for, for me uh, out in the garage or in the backyard, there's uh, nothing better to work on your shot than than gel sticks. And, and you can reach out. I know uh, John Lounsbury is my guy, so uh, he'll appreciate this. But gel sticks, great, great training aid to, to work on your shot and your, your shot velocity. So uh, gel sticks for sure. Get them get today. There we go. We also have Train Heroic. Vex isn't here right now, but we got to throw in the Train Heroic. It's an app on your phone that Jeff has all of his uh, off-ice exercises on, and he's trained literally thousands of people over it. Um, it's a it's a great value, no, low cost, and you can he's you guys know Vex a little bit. Like he's got a hot moms workout too for all the moms out there that want to get into it. So uh, Train Heroic, go there, download that on your app today, and look for Ripped Hockey R I P T Hockey. Little shout out to Vex there, and uh, thank you to all the listeners. We hope you enjoyed this one. I had fun. You guys have fun doing this? Yeah, it was a blast. Absolutely. Great time. So uh, we'll continue to keep doing these throughout the year. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we hope you have a great week. Thanks, Dolph.